Welcome back to the Infinite Creators. In this episode, I have a lady by the name of Arla O'Higgin. Arla lost her job during COVID and she's working in the fashion industry, but she took that as an opportunity to start her own company, which led to Arla Vera Accessories. Now, Arla Vera Accessories, they focus on bags and that has gone from strength to strength. Now, not only that, it's also focused on sustainability, which is using dead stock leather from many companies out there who use leather in their products. So whatever they're, whenever leather isn't used, but at the end of the production line, that's the kind of source of materials and that Orla gets her hands on. And it's through that then that she's able to apply her own creativity to make her own products. And she's doing amazing. So I'm looking forward to having this conversation with Orla about how she's gone through this journey and sharing it with you. So I hope you enjoy Arlo Hagen, welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Ryan. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, if you want to just start by telling me a bit about yourself, uh, give an introduction to your background. So my name is Arlo Hagen. I am the owner of Orla Vera Accessories, a sustainable accessories company that's based in Crana in County Donegal. Um, yeah, that's kind of the synopsis <laughs> very good so you've been running this for the last few years but before we get into that i'd like to get a bit about like where it all started for you you know what inspired you growing up and what were the things you did as a youngster that allowed that i suppose creative spark to flow um so when i was younger i was always even now like i'm very creative always was like even my mommy always had me and my sister like coloring in like we were just very very creative from like very young age um so when I was in school like our competitions like I'm talking primary school like our competitions any kind of art thing I was always really into it come secondary school then when like art you were allowed to do art as a subject like I just thought this was the best thing ever it was like it was always a double block in the in the day so it was like two hours out of your day we were just allowed to like paint and draw like that's like my ideal day um so I in school I like really excelled anything creative even like geography you're drawing maps and stuff for exams and like that was always my guaranteed points because I wasn't very academic um so I used to love seeing them questions but always always really really creative person um so when I was in school I feel like creative jobs like I never knew that you could go on and do obviously you could do fashion design but there's so many other jobs and I feel like that wasn't pushed so once I was doing my leaving cert and trying to pick jobs in UCAS and CAO I was putting down like town planner and all these jobs that I didn't want to do and it wasn't until I actually started research then other things that you can do like I couldn't believe it you people get paid for doing such creative jobs and when you say like the other jobs creative jobs what were the jobs that you came across even things like well fine art you could do a degree in fine art you could, which my wee cousin actually has done now. Um, we are a creative family, but 
interior design, fashion, obviously, textiles, like, I don't know, it's just, it's endless, even architecture is so creative, yes, it's very technical, but you're not going to get anywhere if you don't have a creative mind, um, so I just couldn't believe that there was this abundance of jobs, and I didn't realize, so I did my leave insert, and then I went to Dairy Tech for one year, so I always wanted to do something I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer and it wasn't until I went to Dairy Tech and I did the one year art and design foundation course. Now it was free but I just didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't want to go away for a year so I thought right I'll do this year and I hated it. Why did you hate it? I think I hated it because all my friends were away at college so they were like down the country or in England and I was still living at home just going up and down the road to Dairy every day not really enjoying so you basically how they worked it was like every six weeks you changed subjects so the first week was six weeks of textiles which I thought I'm gonna love that I hated it (laughs) (laughs) I hated it and then we went to like fine art which is like painting and then you did graphics and I think at the time I was just really frustrated that I wasn't getting on with my life the way my friends were and I was like doing this year not really knowing what I'm getting out of it but really when I look back it was probably the best year I could have done because it taught me exactly what I didn't want to do like it cut out everything else and then I really knew okay I really enjoy like accessories I really enjoy embellishment and I really enjoy that whole side of it but it really taught me exactly what I didn't want to do which is I think a really good lesson learned even if I did hate going up the road every day but it was probably the best thing I could have done when I look back was that year out. Mm. With school, you talk a lot about your create, creative side. What opportunities or what did you do while in school to give yourself the opportunity to actually you know, explore that part of you? Was it art classes? Was there anything else you did outside of that that kind of allowed you to really dive into that? So when I was in... Um, transition year a competition was just got like up and running and it was called juncture which is like a worldwide competition at this stage but at the start it wasn't even like all of Ireland I actually think it was just the northwest it was the first year it was running and it was basically taking rubbish or things that you would class as rubbish and making a garment so like an outfit, a suit, a dress, whatever it was, shoes, headpiece, jewellery, and you would make this all out of rubbish. And it was that thing about recycling and bringing recycling into your everyday. And I seen it. My teacher actually approached me and said, oh, I really think you should do this. And I was like, right, okay. I was like, I don't know about this. And once I started then, that was it. I think I spent nine months working on this outfit I did it myself you could do it in teams but I did it myself because I feel like I just really wanted to go for it I loved it I loved the whole idea of like taking something that you would class as rubbish or something going to the bin and making it into something beautiful so I did it and we like I actually did really well that year so it was out I think it was out of the northwest um and we went to the Europa Hotel in Belfast for the final so I got through a few stages and then you go to the final then it was in the Europa and I came second that year 
but I like really got really got a taste for it really really enjoyed it and then when I went into fifth year then you could kind of only do it in transition year because obviously you had a lot of time and the amount of time that I spent on it my teachers were like you're not doing it again and I was like no I'm definitely doing this again I loved it so I did it then for the second year and was in there break times lunch times after schools before school we'll go in like an hour earlier to school stay two hours later like literally my lunch times spent everything working on this thing this outfit and I ended up then winning the glamour prize that year which was to go to Cannes Film Festival so it was me and my model and my teacher got to go to Cannes Film Festival and we like walked the red carpet like the dress walked the red carpet and like it was amazing you were there for like I think three days and it was amazing you know to have that on your cv Mm. is insane for any college you want to go to no matter what you want to do and like to say that you did that yourself at a young age is amazing like junketure is such a brilliant competition i would really encourage anyone to do it and you say Cannes are like Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, Cannes Film Festival. Um, what was it about that experience that you know was really amazing? I think it was just like you worked so hard all year, and it was just for a competition, like whatever. You know, in my head, I was thinking like CV and portfolio, going to college. You know, I'll have this. But then when you when I really got into it and really put in the hard work, and then I won this prize, and then. Like I have, I have it on my, like I think Google Drive or something, and it's like the front of the Irish Independent, the front of the Mirror. That Monday morning was like, you know, Irish students shine bright at Cannes Film Festival or whatever it was, mm. and it was like I'll never forget. It was she won't even mind me saying her name, but Aoife Porter was my model, and it was like her on the red carpet in Cannes wearing this thing that I had made. It was just an unbelievable experience mm. you know you had like all the a-list celebrities and the glamour of the whole place was insane but like it, it really was an unbelievable experience when we mm. think about it now so it really give you a taste of what's possible yeah with, definitely with your creativity yeah and yeah. i knew for a fact then that i was like okay like it kind of gave me a great boost of confidence that i'm like okay i obviously have an eye for something here and i like can work hard so I was like okay like I'm gonna go for something creative but I was still in my fifth year Mm. so I was probably what like 16 but I knew then at that point that okay if I really put my head down now I can get somewhere Mm -hmm. in creative because I feel like in school if you weren't going to be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or you know the typical route which I definitely wasn't because I'm not like academically smart and I knew for a fact I was not going to do go down them line of jobs so I feel like that really gave me like a bit of confidence just to be okay I can do something else now yeah I think the school system is like a box and not everyone fits that box you know and it's 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 not a one box fits all it's it's like it it's like off you don't do, do this and you don't pass this then you're not smart or you're not yeah. but it's it's wrong in a sense you know and i think we can do better because there's a lot of people that are creative that are not into numbers or yeah not into writing english you know yeah. it's just being allowed like to I, find yeah. your passion like 
I was very lucky and I'm not like putting school down the school is so good and I got so much out of the school but I was so lucky that I had like brilliant teachers like brilliant teachers that just you know obviously when you're in the classroom they know he's good and he's struggling or whatever but like my like art teacher was you know she was like you know you find this easy and my guy and she's like so like really put the work on now and think about what you can do you know she was like like I still would thank her in the supermarket if I met her you know mm-hmm. like I, I hold her so high yeah. but now there's quite a few teachers that I had that really really pushed me on and like mm-hmm. it was great that's good. It's good to find something that you're passionate about at a young age because you can be challenging. Age. Yeah. You know, like not everyone finds that. Sometimes people never even find that, you know. Mm. That then led to, you know, you went to college, but it didn't seem to follow on as well after doing so good at it for two years or at least enjoying it for two years. Yeah. It like wasn't I, so enjoyable after. No, I really enjoyed it. And even during like art through my leaving certain stuff, it was such like a release of like studying although you were doing it for your leaving cert it didn't feel like an exam but then when I then didn't know what I wanted to do so I did the year in Derry and then we had like a show at the end of the year and I did accessories and by that point then we had to like apply for UCAS so I knew I probably wasn't going to go anywhere in the Republic of Ireland because the courses that I kind of wanted to do just aren't weren't available they are now but at the time they weren't available in Ireland so then I applied for footwear and accessories design in a few different places in England and, and did you feel drawn towards footwear mm-hmm. you know what brought you there well my final project when I was in Derry you kind of got to do whatever you wanted to do so I found myself then kind of getting into like drawing shoes and drawing like like yeah I love shoes like don't get me wrong shoes and bags but I kind of found myself like loving that side of it and even when I was doing Junkature it was all about the shoes and the headpiece and how to accessories and how to like make it so much more than just a dress so I always was really drawn to the extras the accessory side of it so when I did my final project then I focused on shoes and I made like three or four pairs of shoes and it's so funny when you think back because like my daddy is an engineer and he I would like draw up the heel designs and he would come in and make them then out of metal and but again I just was kind of like nearly box ticking for me I was like right need to get this project done then I can apply to UCAS then I can go away and I can get out of this scenario because I just didn't like being there like I didn't like and obviously it was a bit of like a mental block that I had to because I just didn't want to be there and I felt like I was being left behind by all my friends who were way on and doing their courses so as soon as I was finished or like had my last hand in I booked a one-way flight to Australia I applied all my courses I was like right grand I was what 18 booked a flight to Australia and went to Australia for the summer because I just needed like to get out of that whole situation that I was in and there was nothing wrong with that there was nothing wrong with that course in Derry and it is a brilliant course and I've known so many people who've gone through it but I just just didn't suit me and the way I learn does that make sense mm-hmm. so I went to Australia then for the summer when I was 18 and I got the call like middle of July to say that I'd got into Leicester University 
So then I had book a flight home and I remember I was home for like three days and then I moved to England. So yeah, I went then to Leicester and started university there for footwear and accessories design. You made the move then to across the water to England, to Leicester? Yeah, went to Leicester then and I started in there and I'll, I remember we went over on the boat and <laughs> drove over and I loved it like from the minute I landed staying in student accommodation on campus first year and it was great and I met loads of friends there but the minute I went in I mean like my first day we were in like the creative building and it was just this huge building full of like creative courses and like I had never even known half of these courses like there was like a, straight across the hall from us was contour design which is like lingerie swimwear and this was like a four-year degree and two-year master's dedicated to like I never knew these things existed like and if I had young like when I was younger I feel like I just would have had so much more like hope for like what I could do do you know what I mean but yeah I loved it I did three years in Leicester footwear and accessories design and we did different projects for industry and like it really got a you really got a feel for what it would be like to work in the industry and then once I finished there um, I came home for the summer and then I got a job offered to me from Sophia Webster in London and it was for an intern position um, so I moved over that September and started then working in London. Did did you apply for many jobs or was it like just applying for anything or everything or was it like a specific kind of job that you wanted and was it London or you know what was it that you were looking for after college? So it wasn't necessarily London that I was looking for, but I was looking for a job in my degree and I applied for everything and anything, every, like everything I could get, I was applying. But my like dream job, my dream designer was Sophia Webster, always has been. Like I even did a project on her in my first year. Like I just, amazing, amazing stuff. So, so creative. And... I remember the job came up and one of the girls had sent it to me that I was in college with and she was like oh you really should go for this and I went for it and then I went for an interview and then I got the phone call in to say I was offered the job and I died I thought like it was like the best day ever like <laughs> I was applying for like 200 jobs like a week like really really trying and then this was getting nowhere and then like I got it then mm. like I got the job not intern position but like who cares I was in I was in the mm. door you like, just wanted to be part of something that you admired yeah definitely and that was the move to London then moved to London and I was working in Shoreditch living North London um yeah as I said it was an intern so like salary was I actually think it's a lot better now at days like if you go and get a job and at the time like the only people that really would intern in London like that I had met and had known of were either from just outside of London or living in London because the salary was like 11,500 sterling for the year and my rent was 1500 a month which is what like 17,000 or something yeah and or 18,000 I was not a year a year and you're only earning 11 and a half yeah and that was like the cheapest rent I could find so you took a job an intern 
<laughs> that was more expensive to live there. I told you I wasn't good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you really wanted this. I really wanted it. And like I was so willing to just... What, why did you want it so bad? Because I feel like that industry and that whole... Like, that was, the, to me, like, the pinnacle, ultimate job. Sitting down, designing shoes, all day, every day. And then a box would come, and it's, like, a month later, and it's these shoes you've designed, and then you fix them, and you amend them to make them, like, perfect. Then you send them away, and the box comes back, and they're perfect, and you try them on, and they put on a foot model, and it's, like, such a creative process. And then... Months later, they're in Selfridges, Harrods, Liberty. You know, it's like such a full circle moment. Like these wee things that you're just drawing on pieces of paper. And then months later, you're walking down the street and they're like in the window. Mm. Like it was like mad. Yeah, It was the ultimate job. So, so did you get to experience from paper to shelf? Yep. Your shoes were on... Well, like my shoes, like shoes or bags that I had worked on because then I went across from footwear to accessories because the guard had left and then like I was like going between the two. But I was like intern, so my job was like they would see this technique or that technique and then I would go and develop and develop and develop and you're sitting there like at nighttime. But like I would go home at nighttime, sit on YouTube and watch people like weaving, crochet and like taught myself how to crochet because they needed a, this trial and like I wasn't going to let someone else get in there in front of me mm. do you know what I mean there was just a lot of that and it was a lot of hard work but like for like no money but like I didn't care because I loved it so you, so you had no money but you did say that you worked part-time as well so I worked on full-time was it <laughs> <laughs> I worked on a Friday night so actually so I lived in north east London and it was that St. Patrick's the week before St. Patrick's weekend and my friend from Derry was working in a bar in Clapham which is like southwest London so like mm -hmm. and it was an hour and 10 minutes on the train and he texted and was like hey we're so short of staff is there any chance you want to work next weekend and I was like yeah of course no bother and there was actually a big rugby match on that weekend coming he was like why don't you come in do a few hours and then come in next week and that'll be it and I was like, right, okay, no bother. Of course, I'll help you out. I have no other plans. No money to have any other plans. So that was grand. Got the train, went down. And from then, I worked Friday after work. So I'd finished work at six, get the train over. It was like 45 minutes over from where I worked. Worked then maybe like half one, two in the morning. Get the train back up an hour and 15 minutes. Then up at like nine, train back down, start work at like after 10, whatever time I got there. And that would be me until like three, four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Same again on a Sunday. Back into my office job Monday to Friday. And I literally did that for like two years. Year and a half, two years. And did you love it or did you hate it or what was I enjoyed it? the crack. The crack was good in the bar. The people, it was such, it was like the people that were so good and they were so good to me. And I feel like I was working all the time. So I didn't really get a chance to like make loads of friends or like do loads of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, still did loads. But like the people, like I would go to the bar and yeah, you're working. It was mad hours, but it was good. Like mm. it was, it was good. 
I didn't mind going even though it was so far away and I could have got a job two minutes from my door mm-hmm. but again I couldn't afford to move anywhere because it was like the cheapest rent I could find and I was constantly looking but I just no I couldn't couldn't afford it but as time went on like I got promoted and I got raises and like as it went on I was slowly building myself up and life was slowly getting easier but I've still never gave up the bar job and I still worked and worked and worked there and then I was getting like a big promotion I remember just being like ringing being like oh my god I'm so delighted and it was February 2020 and so that was like the end my March paycheck was due to be like my next race and then COVID hit and we all got told to work from home and everyone was going to be furloughed so it was 80% of your wages and that was like 80% of my previous wage because everything got cancelled then so everyone got told to work from home so it was two weeks work from home at the time was like the announcement and I lived in like a tiny tiny box flat we didn't even have like a kitchen table it was like a wee square and I thought, and two other boys that I lived with was also going to be working from home. And I thought, no, I can't do this. So I booked a flight, went home, and I thought, right, I'll go home and work from home for two weeks. And I came back to Donegal. And then... What, what, sorry, what was that like, that moment, you know, of having to leave London to come back? Well, I thought it was only going to be for two weeks. So I was like, oh my God, this is great. Okay. I can work for like... You know, yeah. nine to five, like at the table, you know, two weeks, took a carry on, took his home with me. You know, I was like, grand, out walking on the beach in the morning, going and, you know, doing my day's work and going for another, you know, it was great. And then after the two weeks, it was like, no, it's going to go on for another month. And then like a week after that was like, you know, however many months it was like lockdown announcement. So I worked from home. I worked from here all like via zoom calls and everything from the february until end of august and then i got the notice and that 70 percent of the staff was going to be made redundant in september and my experience of people being made redundant and i know it is just like where i'm from but i remember people being made redundant from Loom, and the people that were made redundant from Loom in my head i was so young you know it was like such a sad thing and it only happened to like older people and then for me to be made redundant at what 22 I thought like there is something wrong with me like but I was just being really selfish you know not in the grand scheme of it what was really going on in the world but me like having to move home from London and losing my dream job I just remember being like like what is happening like I worked so hard and like this is like what is happening mm. so yeah so that was that sounds like it was a bit of a downer yeah big downer time. big downer I didn't really want to leave London but I thought you know what I'll come home I'll apply for jobs it'll be grand you'll get another job and then all my other friends who like I had graduated college with or university with in similar roles, similar levels to me were also all losing their jobs. I was like, oh, like no one's hiring. And I remember I had a sewing machine that I bought off my lecture in second year. 
in my mommy's house in Moncrana and I was bored like <laughs> so bored I was walking the beach every day twice a day all right doing my work but like there wasn't that much work because you could see the redundancy coming you know things were like slowly slowing up and I was bored and I just went out I had a bit of leather left over from university I just started to make like purses wallets card holders not necessarily bags but like just leather bits and pieces just to keep me going like just kind of when you say keep you going like just to pass the time yeah just kind of pass the time and then I started then making like handbags like big massive clutch bags that nobody would ever wear now but at the time that's what people were wearing and I would give them to like my mommy my sister my cousins my friends and then that brief period where you were allowed out to restaurants and bars I think it was to like 10 o'clock at night or something silly but they then would like take them out and people would be like oh that's lovely where'd you get it and my mommy or my sister or my cousins would be like oh Orla made that and then it started like people were going to weddings again and then people had seen the bags that I was making and then they would land down to the house with like their shoes and their dress and be like oh can you make me a bag to match this I was like yeah of course and I still had good contacts from my time at university and my time in London that I was able to like source stuff quick and get it over and then from that then it just kind of started to roll and I was like mm. and I was still applying for jobs in London and I wasn't getting anywhere and I thought Do you know what I'll just give this a go I started post on Instagram photos of what I was making and then it just kind of started to spiral and I got busier and then it was like got to a point where I was like okay let's go mm. I'll just put everything into this now and sure I'll give it to Christmas and if it doesn't isn't going well by Christmas I'll start applying again so I totally stopped applying and I like really then gave it everything and I was there like crazy hours mm. so you started this without actually intending to although you did intend to you know you tended to make these items but you didn't intend for that to turn into a business no I never meant to start a business I always say that I never meant to it was a happy accident it was meant to happen Mm. just not in the way that we intentionally go out and do things but I think that's um amazing too that sometimes when we're just doing things for the sake of what we love to do things can come our way yeah you know and I think as well because I never meant to start a business I was like doing everything and I just really enjoyed that as well like being able to do everything and it was like all under my control now I'm learning now that you can't do everything but I as I said I said I'd give it to Christmas and come the first week of December Michael Hennies had contacted me which is like a department store in Balbuffet Nonegal they had contacted me to say that they wanted it was like 50 bags on the shop floor before Christmas now it was just me there and like to make 50 bags plus I had been taking orders since like October for Christmas of like local people like who were like supporting me and wanted to get like buy local for Christmas and I like thought like they're they had contacted me to put them in the shop floor and I remember thinking like 
I'm never going to get this done. Like, I'm either going to let them down or I'm going to let the people that have been supporting me since I started down. And it was too good of an opportunity to give up. And I was like, what are we going to do? And we had like a production line going in by upstairs in my daddy's garage out the back. He had like converted then like upstairs into like a small workshop. It was only like not what it is now. It was just like a corner of the garage and it was like me my cousins my friends my mommy my daddy my brother my sister in like a production line trying to get this order done for my honeys for christmas and then plus all the other stuff and like i was there more than 12 hours a day just sewing and sewing and sewing and sewing and sewing like mm. i loved it yeah yeah loved it i have a few questions for you um the first one is you said something that you can't do everything yourself. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Can you tell me why or what has brought you to that point? Well, I actually think like that time I was doing everything. So I was like ordering everything, making everything, cutting everything, packaging everything, doing online orders. No, sorry, we didn't have online at that time. It was like Facebook Messenger, Instagram Messenger, orders and emails. Then you have people phoning up looking for to order over the phone and like I was doing everything and running to the post office and doing house deliveries and like it was just a lot and trying to have live my life as a 22 year old person since then I've learned that like you need good people around you so like I have great staff now I have another girl coming on soon like planning ahead planning is a huge one it just makes my life easier the business runs better having someone like good with finance like I am no good with numbers with money I'm like I didn't want to be an accountant but when you're running your own business obviously you have to really keep an eye on numbers but I am no good at that. I've gotten better, but I'm no good at it. So like, I'm really lucky I have someone in my life who is like, does it day in, day out. It so keeps me right. And like, thank God, I always say like, thank God for that because I would have been closed down long ago. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's just, or like, I don't know. You have to. <laughs> I think so. You have to wear every hat. When you start a business, you, you actually do. You have to you have to be the accountant, the bookkeeper, the the employee, the employer, everything. It's yeah. just part and parcel. But it's through that experience in that we teach ourselves that actually I can't do everything. Oh. You just run yourself you burn out. Run. Yeah, you do. And you'd be so unproductive. Even that, like when I started, I was doing like 12 hour days. But I get more done now in my nine to half four, five o'clock. Like, I'm open from half nine to half four, but then they're from nine to mm. maybe five. I get more done now in that time frame than I did in my 12 hours because now it's, like, meticulously planned of exactly what I need to get done that day. And, like, if I have a wee 15 minutes free, then I have, like, other quick tasks that I can, like, slot. You know, it's, like, I'm on it now. Mm. <laughs> but that is far better for me because then I have the evening or the morning or whatever. And I have like a whole other side to my day. Yeah, yeah. You also mentioned Michael and I's. How did you get in there? You know, that's a 
big department store in this area and were they the only ones or i was in so they contacted me on instagram um their buyer their accessories buyer. so your brand had started to become popular online or at yeah. least so people on were instagram, aware of it yeah before that christmas in the january after i don't even know what year i feel like 2020 and then the january 2021 i launched a website and but up until that point it was all like facebook instagram messages that's how i was getting orders or people just calling in so they had messaged me on instagram and the page had gained some traction at that point now it was all like local people and like word of mouth that was kind of making the business grow and then once i really started like go for instagram i was getting orders from like all over the country and then they're in Michael Honey's and when once they're in Michael Honey's like they were so good to me they promoted like nothing normal I could not believe it they had this five at five thing over covid and they would girl Sandra would go on and pick five things at five o'clock every day and show them off and then I remember they did it for the bags and they picked five of their favorite colors of my bags and like I don't think I stopped for three weeks after that it was mental they had sold out overnight and my website, my I had sold out overnight. And I remember thinking, whoa, like this is crazy. So once that had happened, I feel like I got a lot more followers. I was getting more orders and then other shops then started to contact. So I was in five other shops around Ireland then come that summer. So I was like stuck on my own website, stuck in Michael Honey's and then stuck in the smaller boutiques around the country. And then, so I was in there for like, my clients for maybe two years and like, they were so good I can't stress how good they were at promoting and they're so good at promoting local talent and like they really are it was great mm-hmm. but then once the website really got up and running my own website I not that I couldn't keep up with the shops but Obviously, when you're running a business, as much as like you don't want it to be, but you have to think of the profit or else what's the point? Like you're working for nothing. So retail markup is 50%, which I didn't know going into it. Like obviously, if you had a proper big company, you would have staff and they would keep you right and the whole bit. But 50% is a lot, like so much for a small business. And I remember writing to like a few other local small businesses and asking because I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, I'd be working for nothing, not like I'd be losing money actually if I had kept going the way I was going. And then that January, I pulled out of all the shops, so I was in no shops, just online. So I put more money into like developing my own website, and then it kind of took off so now we're now our online is really good but like I feel like I keep such an eye on that Mm. and we're now in as of I think this time last year we're in Ashford Castle down in Mayo they have a luxury gift shop and we're in there it's the only place that we stock apart from our own what has that whole process taught you from starting making bags at home to Start selling to the people, the department stores, your online shop, trying to do everything. Where, where has it brought you to? Where, what have you learned from it? 
I would say everything has taught me self-worth to value myself my time my talent and I really struggled with that at the start I feel like I was massively undervaluing myself from the get-go because it didn't feel like a job you know there was nobody over your head you know watching you and I think I don't know I just struggled with that from the Mm. start yeah so was it like stepping from getting paid to now kind of paying yourself and unsure of what you should charge people of like you didn't know how much your time was worth or yeah I also think like maybe undermining what I could do and how much people valued me like I noticed like in my area you know like so many people will come in and they're have a big event or something and they're struggling to find I don't know a bag or anything I would find that people would come in and they would really value me but like not as much as I value myself and what I could do so they would come in and I don't know they're struggling to find something for their son or daughter's wedding and they would come in and they're wearing a pink dress and you know do you have anything and you're making something like for them for such a big moment in their life and it's nothing to me but like other people value it so much and to me like it didn't feel like work so I don't know I feel like a lot of people valued what I can do and what I provide for our area in having this like sustainable business that people can cherish and take part of it especially for these big occasions is where I would notice it the most like weddings or big monumental things in people's life like events and they will get something from me because they know it's going to last if they take care of it like leather will last for years and I think it took me so long to realize like the service that I was providing to people Mm -hmm. and then how to put that into a number and was like totally struggled with that I think self-worth is something that a lot of people struggle with it's like we have to go through the process of actually valuing what we do in life and you're not the only person that I spoke to um something I struggle with too it's like how do you value yourself you know how do you value your time how do you value your art your creativity because you've been doing that for from the age of what six or seven like all that time has been (laughs) learning i know it's it it, but it actually is like that has been a progression for you from that age to right through the secondary school doing your junkature even you know like that has all brought you to this point in time yeah and that is all your worth and all your time so it's not like an early rate it's like i've put my life into this yeah how how do you put a number on that yeah exactly (laughs) yeah but you've you've gone through that process and now it seems like whenever you started to see other people valuing you more than maybe you valued yourself yeah would that be right maybe and I think as well like when I had lost my job and stuff like not that I was low or nothing but like obviously I was now looking back I obviously just was a bit low after losing my job and not really knowing like my purpose at that time and then suddenly then seeing other people value what I do and what I was bringing to like our community and 
like how happy people were like leaving my wee corner of a workshop upstairs in my dad's shed <laughs> like delighted so mm. delighted and then once I repetitive like people like every day like seeing that just being like okay like I'm actually doing something good here mm-hmm. you know I'm making people feel good and they're delighted they're leaving with something that I've made and like I've created this so from then I yeah I kind of learned then like to value myself a bit more and what I can do mm-hmm. and what I offer yeah you mentioned sustainable yes can you tell me a bit more about that, please? So, from working in the industry, from the get-go, like, there was a lot of waste. And, like, I was so excited to be in the industry that, like, I didn't didn't really notice it at first. But once you actually start noticing it, and then when I would meet up with friends, like, in London who worked similar jobs we all kind of started to notice it together that there is a lot of waste. Now, everyone knows there is a lot of waste produced in the fashion industry. There's no doubt about it. Like, there's so many documentaries on it. But to see it firsthand and to see other people my age seeing it their firsthand and their experience of it, and it was like a common thing that we were all seeing was, it was a bit mad when you see the level of waste and I remember too being in university and when I was there we only worked with leather but the leather came from like end of production line we were always told oh it's end of production end of production line you know and there was always this question of like why was there so much we were getting so much leather like I couldn't understand why why was there so much? Because if you think about it, it was all cow. Like all the all the leather that is used in most leather products is cow. And like when you a cow is about twenty three to twenty five square feet, the skin, like the usable skin. And I know it is a byproduct of the meat industry, but it is still a cow. <laughs> so I work with a leather merchant in England and he gets me the dead stock of these factories. So it factories like vary from time to time, but at the minute most of our leather is coming from Mulberry, Rolls-Royce and BMW. Now it's like leftover from production of cars, leftover from production of bags, like whatever kind of leather goods. Um but it shows the quality of leather that we're offering but it also shows the amount of leather that's going to waste it is it is mad Mm -hmm. the amount so is being sustainable important to you yeah definitely i think and even now going forward it's like constantly trying to think of new ways to be sustainable and new ways like how like all our packaging is like eco-friendly biodegradable you know used from used to be something else now it's this um or dust bags you know used to be something else now it's a dust bag and paper tissue paper boxes everything labels on the inside of the bags like we try to be as sustainable as possible even in the 
in our studio so when we get like the clips and the hardware they're wrapped in like this tissue paper this white tissue and like we take that and now we've started stuffing the bags with that as like instead of that's less waste that's less waste and we always try and even now cutting out our bags the small pieces that's left on the skin we'll like gather them all up and then we'll cut out then templates for like scrunchies for your hair or wallets or card holders like smaller things that we can use so we will use as much of the skin as we possibly can and even if there's like small bits left we'll always keep them in case someone comes in and they're like oh do you have I don't know an earring or do you have something that I could wear to a wedding and then it's this color to match my bag and you're there with like a bag and you're like okay yeah I have that and I can do something with this we really really try like really try and going forward now we're already talking about I'm in like talks with suppliers in Spain about getting it's called Pinatex and it's leather made out of pineapple skins so like totally really really sustainable eco-friendly good for the environment literally pineapple skins and they're fused together and when you see it it looks it looks like you could not tell the difference like I couldn't tell the difference if I had them side by side like Mm. real leather and ones from a cow and ones from pineapple and it's the same for all their fruits too they're trying to develop it but like that's exciting to me I'm like oh my god I can't wait to get my hands on this Mm. like what can we make out of this but yeah definitely very important to me yes yes what would you say around sustainability like what is the fashion industry in a whole in that sense you know are the leading brands out there like that or what what way is it going because it's something that i'm becoming aware of but i also know that it's expensive in terms of clothes yeah i think i think you for a good sustainable product that has a good like traceable line behind it you're going to pay for that because there's no cutting corners and everything is done right and you know, you're they're paying extra for i don't know like thread or yarn made out of recycled maybe recycled bottles like i know that's a big thing at the minute in like clothing but i think you are going to pay for a sustainable product more than you would normally and i think that is where I think that's why people will continue to buy the likes of high street and fast fashion because obviously like if you don't have the cash that week and that white t-shirt's eight euro and that white t-shirt's 80 euro you know and this is you don't know where this is coming from but this here has like your certified cotton and your all your badges and banners that comes with a sustainable product people are obviously going to lift the eight euro and like I think that is one of the main problems with fast fashion versus sustainable fashion. I think it's just a transition in time where over time the likes of you working yeah. promoting sustainability and through many different types of brands, over time the price because of the produce the produce of the raw materials becomes less and the price comes down at least becomes to a place i'd like to think 
that it'll be competitive where people can start to afford you know yeah well there is like amazing brands at the minute doing that like women's wear brand there's a brand and my girls are gonna laugh because <laughs> <laughs> i buy from them but there's a brand called Tala in London. Grace Beverly started it. And Can you spell it? Tala, T-A-L-A. Yeah, I've heard of that. Um, like super, super sustainable business. Really, really good. But it's mostly active wear. And her thing is like she is the most sustainable active wear that people want to wear. And I think that was with me too. I wanted... A sustainable product that didn't look sustainable because sometimes I think a sustainable product or an eco-friendly product has this whole like grown from the ground up and has this whole look about it that is not appealing to 18 19 21 year old girls you just want a bag for a night out and I wanted to like change that of okay I really want that and oh great it's sustainable do you know like it's you want people not going looking for a sustainable product. You want something that's there that they want and then going, oh, brilliant, like added bonus. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I wanted it to be appealing to people that weren't looking for the sustainable market. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's what I wanted to create. And I feel like I have done that because a lot of people that come in to me are just looking for a leather bag and then you start telling them, and they're blown away at like what mm-hmm. and I think that's amazing when you're targeting a market that you didn't they didn't even know that they were being targeted if that makes sense yeah yeah I think that's a good way to approach it you're you're focusing on what people are drawn to yeah but then behind that it's like I'm doing it this way yeah which is sustainably yeah. or sustainable good for the environment yeah what's next for Orla um I don't know I do what I really enjoy at the minute is and it's kind of been growing this past while is actually going and talking doing sustainable talks to younger like child like well teenagers um and like spreading a sustainable message and a sustainable shopping message but also encouraging younger people to like create and I'm like really passionate about you don't have to go the traditional route of like your typical like go to college get a job and as long as you're passionate about something like you're not going to work I know that's like the oldest thing ever but if you're passionate about your job you're never going to work a day in your life and I am really passionate about that and I think teaching younger creative people that is really important and actually I've started taking on like transition year students on their placement like creative students and I teach them how to like sew I teach them how to hand stitch and it's like another thing that they have going forward and I'm really passionate about that business wise I don't know I think I'll always strive to be like go for the next sustainable I'm always going to be something more sustainable than the next even now since we started we have a bag that's like 97% sustainable leather like there's that little hardware in it that 
the bag will eventually, you know, biodegrade and there will be no trace, mm -hmm. which is like so important to me. Then what's next for me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see. You'll always keep being creative though. Always. Yeah. 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 And I always say, I think what's important to me too is like, I never meant to start a business. So that if it were to fail one day or I couldn't do it anymore, I would have no problem going back and retraining as something else or doing something else. Like I'm so lucky at the minute that I'm able to do this. But if things were to change or if something were to happen or for another global pandemic or I don't hold myself like high of, you know, I couldn't go and do that or I couldn't go back and be a waitress or I couldn't work in a bar because at the end of the day, that's what got me here. And I think I would have no problem going back. And I think I don't take myself too seriously. And I think that's why I've gotten this far. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> the Orla today that I'm sitting across versus the Orla that was, say, 17 starting out. What is the difference? Who is this Orla today? How would she describe herself? I would say, I don't know. I'm hardworking. I know what I want and I'm willing to work for it. I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that. Like, I think that's really important that you know what you want and that you're hardworking because it seems like that's what's got you there. You yeah. were willing to put in the work. Like you put yourself through college that wasn't even paying you. You worked flat out, done all that. Like it really paid off because you sacrificed yeah. for what you wanted. I think 17-year-old me would not believe that I have my own company making bags in Donegal. Like no chance. <laughs> and I think, I don't know. But it happened. I know. So it just goes to show you that anything is possible. Yeah. Once we put our minds to it. Definitely. Mm. And I'm sure there's some younger youngsters out there who are maybe into the fashion industry that maybe have the same creative skills as you and see what you've done and maybe are inspired by you. You know, so like... That 17-year-old version, maybe there's one out there now. Maybe there's one listening to it, this podcast. I was like, ah, you know what? If she can do it, I can do it. And I think, yeah, well, that would be amazing. I would love to think that I do inspire, like, younger creative people. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of advice, what would you give to that younger person? I'll just go do it do everything even if it doesn't make sense like just go if you really want to go get that job or to go and do that thing just go and do it and things will fall into place like don't overthink it like just 
things will fall in, even if it's like the hardest decision ever. Just do it. You can always go back, but like you're never going to make any progress if you just stay comfortable. Mm. Like push yourself out there. And it can be so hard, especially if your friends aren't necessarily into what you're into or if you're maybe doing something a bit different. But I think like surround yourself with good people that will encourage you to like go for what you want. And I think having good people around you to do that speaks volumes and will really, really help you going forward. But yeah, whatever it is you want to do, just go and do it. And even if you, if it's not the most straightforward way, if you really want to go and be something and you don't get the points or you don't, there's always another way. Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking like, myself if I wanted to go and do them big courses that people want to do and like more serious courses academic courses now that wasn't for me but there probably is people who was my level at school like C's C students (laughs) there's always another way especially this week with like the results and stuff coming out it's not the end of the world there is always another way to get where you want to go even if it's a longer route who cares Stopping what other people think. Mm-hmm. And you'll get so much further. Amazing. Orla, it's been a pleasure chatting to you here today. Thanks very much. It's <laughs> been <too>. very insightful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm doing all the questioning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to take in as much as I can. But um, I've never spoken to anyone who has, I suppose, started their own fashion business. So it's good to get an insight into the industry and I suppose learn a bit more about being sustainable and how how we can be more aware of the products that we buy and use and how we can be kinder to the planet as well. So yeah, definitely. I'm very grateful for that. No, thanks so much for having me on. You're very welcome. And if anyone wants to find you, where can they get in touch? Um, you can get me on my website, which is orlaveraaccessories.com or on Instagram, orlaveraaccessories, or Facebook or any social media sites. Yeah. And if any youngsters or anyone wanted to reach out to you who may have an interest in doing their own thing. You can drop me an email at orlaveraaccessories at gmail.com or Instagram messaging is probably the quickest way to get me. Um, Yeah, or even work placements or queries or anything at all. If you're interested, I'd be more than happy to chat to anybody. Amazing. Orla, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Very welcome. And we will catch up again. Definitely. That was a very inspiring conversation. To speak to someone who didn't intend to start a business, but just by doing what they're passionate about, it eventually led to actually starting a business and doing what they love. And I think if everyone was to take a leaf out of Orla's book and just follow your passions, eventually that will become your reality and there will be opportunities that will crush you to do the things that you love to do. So whatever it is that you love to do, Just keep doing it and eventually something will come. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation and ask you to remember that you are the infinite creator.